Today, I'm gonna jump right into part eight of our series called Build Your Church. If you have your notes, I want you to pull them out. Come on, if you got your notes, wave them at me. Let me just see them if you got them in here. I'd love for you to take some notes today. We are in our eighth installment of uh, the series called Build Your Church, and we're looking at what this is, what does it mean when God wants to build his church? What kind of church is God wanting to build? Uh, it's kind of like the, the way I'm viewing this series is if you've, if you've driven your car long enough, uh, over time, your car kind of starts getting out of alignment. It starts drifting a little bit to the left and, and you can do a couple of things. You can just, you know, lean to the left a little bit more and uh, learn to just live that way. Or you can go and take it in and get your car realigned. So that way it drives straight. And so this series has kind of been that, I believe, for our church. Uh, There's some things we're leaning right a little bit on, other things we're leaning left a little bit on. And I just want us to go to scripture and say, God, what do, you, what do you want your church to look like? What do you want your church to be all about? What do you want us to be passionate about? And so we've talked everything about how to deal with church hurt. We've talked about how do you deal with offenses. We talked about how to, uh, the, the importance of being in a local church. We talked about the importance of being here on a Sunday. We've talked about being a church that sees like Jesus sees. We talked about uh, a church that prays, understanding that prayer changes things and you can do things. Last week, we did a church that worships. We talked about worship and what does a worshiping church look like? What does a worshiping life look like? That it's not just what we sing, but it's how we live. And today... For our eighth installment, I'm doing a message called A Church That Hears. A Church That Hears. Look at somebody next to you and say, did you hear that? Say, did you, did you hear that? All right. We'll check your hearing in just a minute and see. A Church That Hears. Now, when you think about it, one of the main differences between someone who follows Christ, is a disciple of Christ, and someone who does not follow Christ, one of the biggest differences between those two people is is that the person who follows Christ has a relationship not only with Christ, not only is it salvation and heaven and all that stuff, but they actually have a relationship where they can hear and talk to God. Now, I don't want us to, to bypass how big of a deal that is, that you and I have the ability to just commune with God. Like the God who spoke everything to existence wants to speak to you. And he can speak to you in anything and through almost anything. I love how Dallas Willard put it. He said, if God doesn't speak today, then the greatest disservice we could ever do to people is to tell them that they could have a personal relationship with God. That, that God speaks. Think about the advantage that this gives us as believers and followers of Christ when it comes to decision-making, you now have the ability that when you've got to make a big decision, you can go to the God who created you and go, do I, should I, could I, will I? And you can go to him. And how many know when you got a God, you serve a God who sees ahead of you, how many know he can tell you things that you didn't know before somebody else knew? Versus other people who try to rely on their own abilities and their own giftings, you and I have an advantage. The Bible describes that the Holy Spirit is really like our advantage there's an advantage that we have that the Holy Spirit can speak to us and encourage us. He equips us and he gives us direction of where to go when it comes to that. And so this is one of the hugest differences between a non-believer and a believer is that you and I can hear from God. We can hear from God for our children. We can hear from God for our marriages. We can hear from God for our business. We can make decisions because we have a God that sees in future but is also in present. And so today I want to talk about what does it mean to be a church that hears and the Bible, one of the best description that God gives of his church and of followers is that he is a shepherd and that we are what? We're sheep. Look at somebody say, bah, okay. So let's look at John chapter 10. If you got your notes, you can, you can look on your notes right there. Um, if not, uh, you can look on the app as well. Or you can look on the screen. John 10 verse three says this, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep, what do they do? They listen to his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Watch what the next verse says. It says, and when he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep will follow him because, because they know his voice. So let me tell you what's going on. So most of us in here probably haven't been herding sheep lately that I know of, maybe you have. But the way that it would work in biblical times is that, that there would be 10 shepherds. 
Let's say each of those 10 shepherds has 100 sheep and they would put them in a fold. They would be in kind of a, a, a gated area. There would be no gate. There would be a shepherd that would stand there as the gatekeeper. It's where we, you look through scripture and you see a gatekeeper. And so there would be a thousand sheep inside of this fold that's there. And this is, what this scripture is saying is, and, and these people would understand this in this day, one of the shepherds would stand there at night while the other shepherds went to go, go, uh, go sleep for the night. They would change that out as they rotate. The next morning, one shepherd would stand into the gate and he would make a distinct noise or sound and his hundred sheep out of the thousand would come out. That's why it says he could call them by name. That there was something in the way that he called that all of the other 900 sheep would be like, I don't know him. But the 100 would say, that's my guy. And they would roll out. And so this, this scripture is saying that, that we have a relationship with God like that. That God is speaking and those who know him can pick up on it. But those who don't know him don't know when he's speaking. And so this is so important for you and I to understand one really big thought is that this, God is always speaking. The question is, are we listening? He's always speaking. But those who know him, they know his voice. When he speaks, they say, that's the Lord. That's the Lord. And so today, I want to give hopefully some encouragement, hopefully teach you a little bit of how can you know this is God that's speaking to me. How many of you have ever had this feeling, is this God or is this something else? Is this God or is this the pizza that I ate last night that was just really bad? And, you know what I mean? I mean like, is this the Lord or is this something else? And I'm, I'm gonna walk you through a little bit of what that is because the more you know God, the more clearly you'll know his voice. Now, before I go there, one of the main reasons why we don't hear God is because of this right here, is because we're distracted. It's not the only reason, but it is a main reason why we don't hear God's voice is we are extremely distracted. I think chronic noise is probably one of the greatest impediments to spiritual growth. Chronic noise, just constant noise, constant stuff, constant activity, constant busyness. There's a recent study that they said that the average person checks their phone 81,500 times in a year, which equates to 4.3 times, uh, 4.3 every 4.3 minutes. That we touch our phones this many times. That means probably within my message right here, some of y'all will touch your phone at least eight times. Hopefully it was to take notes. <clears throat> How many ever wish that life had a do not disturb button on it? And you ever wish just like, you could like do this little, I mean, you wish your kids had that on their forehead. It's like, you know, you just swipe across and like, do not disturb mode. It's just not, it's not there. Yeah, we, we are a distracted people. And can I just say this? This is nothing new. Yes, the 21st century is, I feel like has more, more things to make us more distracted, but distraction is nothing new. People were distracted in Jesus' time, just as much as they're distracted in our time. I'm gonna read you one quick story of it. In Luke chapter 10, there's a story of when Jesus shows up at a house. It's at a house of people that are his good friends. And he's there at the house and he's there to spend time with his good friends. And yet you're going to see that there is a difference between two people and how they respond to Jesus' presence there. And it's a story, it says, and she had a sister named Mary. So if all of us know this story, if you don't, this is a story of two sisters. One's named Mary, one's named Martha. It says that Mary has seated herself at the Lord's feet. And what is she doing? What is she doing? She's listening to him talk. He's, he's teaching them and, and she's, she's just sitting there soaking all this in. The other sister, on the other hand, is a lady named Martha. And she is overly occupied and she's too was with much serving. She's, she's just very busy. Now, just by a show of hands, let's get a little, little honesty in here. How many of you would probably be the Martha? Jesus is over at your house. You're gonna make sure everything's in order. Ham is cooked right. Everything's good. Tables are set. Mood feels good. Everything's good. Okay, I, that's probably me as well. Just make sure everything's good. Everything's happening. Everything's working. Okay, 
what she's doing not, is not necessarily bad, okay? But if we're not careful, good things can become distracting things which become bad things. Not bad. They were good things. But the problem is, is that you have Jesus in the house. Jesus wants to spend some time with you. But we're so busy doing other things that we actually don't spend time with the Jesus who wants to do things with us. And can I go out on a limb, just a little bit of a limb here? I would bet that your life is too loud. And I would bet that your schedule is too busy. If we cannot have undistracted times in God's presence, then our life is too busy. If we can't have times where there is a bit of silence in some way, then our life is too loud. Now listen, I totally get it if you have young kids. I get it. This is why most moms lock themselves in the bathroom. I understand. I understand. And then you see the fingers under the door. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. <clears throat> but I want you to hear me very closely because this is a very big thing that impedes our spiritual growth. Distraction will always impede intimacy. Distraction will always interfere with intimacy. You will never be able to have an intimate relationship with anybody if you're constantly distracted. If there's anything I always hear from wives when I do premarital counseling is he's always on the phone. Or a husband goes, she's always on her phone. Or he's always working. Yet again, not bad, but if we don't give time for there to be actual non-distraction, you can never create intimacy in your life. Intimacy is so huge. And so what ends up happening is, is we become like Martha. We, instead of becoming human beings, we become human doings. We're always doing always taking care of other people, always making sure something's going, going to get on. And the quieter you become, then the more you can hear. The louder your life is, the less you can hear. I, 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 like in our house, when my wife wants to speak to our kids, she'll look at me and she'll say, mute the TV. Because when the TV gets muted, all of a sudden they can hear a lot better. So it's weird, because I can hear a lot better too when that happens. <laughs> and so... What is she doing? She's saying, I got to quiet a little bit of the noise so I can get some attention here. I got I to get your attention. And if you look all throughout scripture, that's often what happened when you see men and women of God really hear from the Lord. They were most of the times in undistracted places. Think about it. Moses was at a burning bush out in the wilderness. Daniel was in an upper room when God spoke to him. Elijah was in a cave Whenever God spoke to him, Jesus went to a mountain or to a garden whenever, Je when, whenever God the Father was speaking to him. Listening doesn't happen by default, it happens by design. It doesn't happen by default, it happens by design. I think back over the last 21, even beyond that 21 years, going into probably 25, 26 years, if I go into even to my junior high days, and I can recall specific times when God really spoke to me, like I knew that this was God. And I could, almost every single one of those happened in some place where I positioned myself to go, God, I really, really, really need to hear from you. I remember when I, when I went to, uh, to a camp in Broussard, felt like God called me to Louisiana. I moved back, I, I went back to Dallas where my family was. I was just graduated high school. Um, my parents had just gotten into a divorce. I was the oldest in my family. I didn't know what I was going to do. I felt like I needed to do something. I wanted to leave to come to Louisiana, but I also knew I needed to help take care of my mom. And I remember being, this is no lie, I remember being in my garage, I turned off all the lights, 18 years old, turned off every light in my garage. I put on worship music and I just sat there. And I said, God, you've got to tell me what to do. And I remember at that moment, God said, I'll talk to your mom for you. I said, thank you, thank you, thank you. And it wasn't a week later that my mom walks into my room and says, hey, I just want you to know you're not my provider. God told me you need to go to Louisiana. And it was there that God began to do a work in my heart to realize like, okay, God, you really do speak. And if I would just quiet myself enough to listen to you, then maybe, just maybe, I can follow you. And then I remember moving to Louisiana and I remember driving back and forth with Pastor Bubba constantly coming here as an intern. And I remember Pastor Bubba, one of the end of my intern, Pastor Bubba looking at me and going, hey, I want you to come on staff with me. 
And I remember going out into a field after he asked me that. I remember going out into a field and I said, God, is this where you want me to be? Because I felt like I was only going to be here a year and go back to my mom. Is this what you want me to do? And I remember God literally just speaking to me saying, this is where I want you to be. I said, okay. And so I came to Jennings and joined the Our Savior's Church team. I remember dating my wife and going before the Lord going, is she the one? Is she the one? And God just gave me reassurance that yes, this is the woman, you better grab her while you can. And all throughout my journey of walking with the Lord, I can see different times where God has spoken specific things. I remember one of the the hardest moments was when Lindsay and I had to decide if we were gonna do a double lung transplant for our son or not. And the doctors were saying, if you don't do this, your son will die. And I remember us going into our hotel room and Lindsay and, us, and, and I were crying and just pleading before the Lord, like, God, what do we do? What do we do in this? We just met with 10 different doctors. They're all saying we need to do this. And I remember both of us looking at each other going, I don't feel like we should do this. You feel like we should do this? I don't feel like we should do it. I just don't have peace. I don't feel like God's called us to do this. And she says, well, if you don't feel like God's called us to do this, I don't feel like God's called us to do this. Let's not do this. And I remember going to the doctor and going, we're not doing this. And he's going, do you know what you just did? I said, I know exactly what we just did, but I do also know that I serve a God who can do more than you can do. And if he tells me this is what we need to do, this is what we're gonna do. I say all that to say my, my life has been governed by these moments where I've just gotta stop myself and go, God, what do you wanna say? Now, those are all really big moments, but I can sit here and tell you the thousands of little moments that that happened. Where God said, hey, go apologize. And I was like, get behind me, Satan. That was not... <laughs> You know what I'm saying? And for all the times I've gotten it right, I can give you hundreds of it that I missed, that I didn't get it right. But I do want you just to know that God wants to speak to you. And if you're like, I don't know if God's ever spoken to me. He has, you're in this room. And he speaks in four different ways. And that's where I wanna go today, is I wanna tell you how he speaks. Because it's important for you to understand how he speaks. Once you understand how he speaks, then you can know what to be looking for and what to be listening for. So I wanna give you four ways that God is speaking to his church. So God speaks to us corporately, but God also speaks to us individually. And we can take these both ways. So if you're taking some notes, I want you to write this first one thing down, is that God speaks through his word. God speaks through his word. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about a pr- being a praying church. Now watch this, prayer is when I talk to God, but reading God's word is when he talks to me. Now prayer can also be God talking to us as well, because it is communion. But, but prayer is just as much us, me going to God and, and, and reading God's word as I, as I get into this word, it is so much more of me, of, of God speaking to me. You wanna know how God's speaking, just get into this book. This is all God's words. These are all, now listen, there were over 40 authors, or 40 writers, but there was only one author. There was only one. And God helped them pen all of these words that are, that are in this book from the Old Testament to the New Testament. All 66 books are a part of one book and they are speaking to us every day that we get into this book. And so I want us to read Psalms 119. This is, a, this is not gonna be in your notes. I changed it this morning. But Psalms 119.105 says this, your word is a lamp to my feet, and everybody help me with that, and a light, a lamp to my feet, and a light to my path. A lamp to your feet, and a light to my path. All right? So this says that this word here is is a lamp, is a lamp. All right? I got a lamp here. All right? And uh, can we turn this, can the screen go, to, go blank? I wanna help us here, understand how this plays out. So, I want you to see how this, how this works. So, notice that it says, it's a lamp to my feet. Now, if we are all really, really honest in here, I don't want a lamp to my feet. I want a spotlight that shoots 10 miles away. Is this not true? I think this season of this life that we have been in over the last 18 months or so, we would love to have a spotlight that shoots out. God, can you tell me what's gonna happen five months from now, five years from now? God, can you help me? And he says, no, 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 listen, my word is a lamp to your feet. You know anything about how 
the lamp works, the lamp is literally only good enough for where your feet are. All I can see is what is actually right in front of me. I can't see anything further beyond that. Now, we would love for God to be kind of a, a fortune teller to tell us all that's gonna happen, and there's sometimes that that does through prophecy that God gives us these snippets of what is to come. But if you wanna know every day, God, what do you want for me today? The Bible says that as I get into his word, his word becomes a lamp to my feet. A lamp to my feet. Every time I get into the word, and God, what do you want me to do in this situation? I get into the lamp. I get into the lamp, and he tells me left or right, straight or back. God, where do you want me to go? His, it, it, this word is a lamp. It doesn't, doesn't give me what's going to happen in a week from now or two weeks from now. It just kind of helps me today. Today. How many need just kind of a today word? I just need a today. I just need to get through today to get through tomorrow. Give me a today word. And God says, I'll be that lamp to you. Every time you open up this word, I'm gonna be that lamp. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you the next step and the next step and the next step and the next step. Hey, by the way, you know what that's called? Faith. Faith. God says, will you be a lamp to my feet? You're gonna have to get in this book if you wanna hear his voice. So he's a lamp. Let me give you the next verse. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 through 17. We'll turn this off now says this, watch this, all scripture, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong. It teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and to equip his people to do every good work. This word right here, the word of God, is not just for information. How many know this thing's for transformation? This thing is for transformation. This isn't just information. This isn't a good novel. This isn't just some good historical fa facts. This is for transformation. This word, all scripture is inspired by God to teach us, to make us, to correct us, to teach us, to prepare us, to equip us. So the Center for Bible Engagement, uh, there's actually an organization called the Center for Bible Engagement, did this huge study. They polled over 40,000 people and they asked them about their engagement in God's word and, and what was it like for them to be in God's word. And uh, they found out a couple things. People that read their Bibles once a week, <clears throat> there was negligible, negligible, there's a word, negligible effect to their life. So that would maybe mean just people that went to church heard the word, they saw a little bit of a difference, but not much in their life. People who read the Bible twice a week, that spent time in God's word twice a week, it was almost the exact same thing. A little bit, but not much. People who read God's word three times a week, they saw a little bit, it was like a blip on the radar, like, okay, something's changing. Looks like there's something that's happening, but watch this. When people spent time in God's word four times a week, four out of seven days, there was an astronomical change that happened. And I wanna show you what happened. Look at all these different things. When people read God's word four times a week, when it came to feeling lonely, anger issues, bitterness, look, feeling lonely dropped 30%. Anger issues dropped 32%. Bitterness in relationships, whether that's in marriages or friendships, or, Coworkers or whatever it may be, family dropped 40%. Alcoholism dropped 50%. When people spent time in God's word at least four times a week, feeling spiritually stagnant. Anybody in here have felt spiritually stagnant over the last year or so? Dropped 60%. And then watch this. Viewing porn dropped 61%. Dropped 61%. Now watch this, watch, watch. On the upside of it though, on the upside, people who spent four times in the word, sharing their faith jumped 228% and discipling others jumped 232%. Do you think maybe getting in the word might transform some things? Change some things in our hearts, change some things in our lives, change some things in us? This is what God is wanting us to do. In the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter five, chapter six, and chapter seven, Jesus, uh, this is Jesus' longest sermon he preaches. We see it in Matthew. 
It's the longest one that he preaches. No, there's no other uh, sermon in scripture that as long as that, that Jesus shares, he talks everything about the Beatitudes, how to handle your anger, lust, what, how to deal with divorce, how do you deal with people who hurt you, how do you love people that don't like you, how to deal with your money, how to pray, how to fast, how to make sure your priorities in the right place. He talks about how to deal with your worries. He talks about what do you do with people judging you? How do you judge other people? We get the golden rule. All of that is in the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. The very end of Jesus' message, Matthew chapter seven, I want us to read it together. Matthew seven, verse 24 says this, and I love how the message translation says it. Watch this. These words, all this stuff that you learned about, worry and fear and anger and lust and and, uh, prayer, all these words, everything that you're reading in this thing, all these words that I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life homeowner improvements to your standard of living. Watch what they are. They are what? They're foundational words. Words to what? To build your life on. If you work these words into your life, if you take this book and you take what God says and you work this into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on a solid rock. Listen to me. The Bible was never meant to be read. It was meant to be lived. It was never meant to just be read. It was always meant to be lived. And I can tell you right now, one of the number one ways God speaks to us is through his word. You wanna get a word from God? Don't go look for a word, just look for a verse. He's already said it. He's already spoken it. He's already given it to us. And, and here is my last challenge and I'm gonna jump into point number two. When you read God's word, don't read, just read the word. Let the word read you. Don't just read the word. Let the word read you. Every time I'm read, I'm asking God, God, who does this say you are? And God, who does this say I am? And God, what do you want me to live out in this? This is why we do the daily devos. Uh, It was funny that yesterday I was at some random place and um, a a lady came up to me and she said, I just want you to know, I I don't know this woman from Adam. She said, I just want you to know, I absolutely love the Daily Devos. I said, really? She said, yeah, I I just absolutely love the Daily Devos every day. It's a reminder of me to get into the word. And, And this is why, by the way, this woman doesn't even come to our church. I'm so glad the word of God is getting into people's hearts that don't even come to church, that are just wanting to be encouraged and let God. How I many know, even people who are far from God, if you'll just let God's word get into you, eventually it's gonna change you. It's gonna change you. And so, so if you need a word right now, man, God, God, give me a word that you want. God, what do you wanna speak to me? All right, number two, the second way that God speaks to us is through his people. Through his people. Exodus chapter 18 is a story about Moses and Moses has led the children of Israel. There's over a million of them and and he is kind of the sole ruler over all of them. And so every time there's a dispute, they bring it to him. Every time there's an issue, they bring it to him. Every time they got a decision that needs to be made, they bring it to him. I mean, no, I mean, we have a little over six, 700 people in our church. I can't even handle that if everybody, if all of y'all brought your issues to me. How many can imagine a million people doing that? Every day, the Bible said night, every, every morning he would wake up, literally until the end of the night, he was always just dealing with people's issues. His father-in-law shows up to just come pay him a visit and sees this that's going on. And I want you to see what happens in verse 13 because his father-in-law has a perspective. It says, the next day Moses took his seat to hear the people's disputes against each other. They waited before him from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, watch this, he asked them this, what are you really accomplishing here? Why are you trying to do this alone while everyone's standing around you from morning till evening? How many know people are draining? People can be draining. And if it's all day, everybody else's problems all the time, he's going, man, this isn't gonna be good. Watch what the next verse says. He says, what does he say? This is not good. This is not a good thing that you're doing. Moses' father-in-law explained to him, you're going to wear yourself out. And the people too. This job is too heavy of a burden for you to handle all by yourself. Verse 19, now, Listen to me, listen to me. 
And let me give you a word of advice. And may God be with you. Now, he, after this, he goes and he, he tells them how he should lead. And Moses does it. And it transforms the way that he leads the entire children of Israel. Now, I want you to imagine this for a moment, though. Moses is a pretty mighty leader. I mean, Moses got a burning bush experience with God. Moses is the one that went into Egypt and did the, hey, let my people go. Moses is the one that helped performed all of the plagues. Moses is the one that stood in front of the Red Sea and, and held up the staff and the sea parted. Now, if Moses was a little bit proud, he'd look at his father-in-law and go, when's the last time you split a Red Sea? When's the last time you got some frog plagues up in this place? But Moses wasn't proud. Moses understood humility as a leader. And he said, you know what? Maybe there's some things that I don't see. And maybe, just maybe, you, you see some things. And maybe you're wanting to bring something into my life that God wants me to know. But I haven't heard it from him. And God is using you to speak it to me. And so in that moment, he listens to his, his father-in-law. And of course, it changes everything. Now, Proverbs 12, 15 says... The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man or woman, what do they do? Man, they listen to advice. Now watch this. Oftentimes we wanna hear from God, we just don't like the messenger he sends it in. Anybody been there? <laughs> like God's been talking to you about patience and then he sends you a coworker that just pushes you to it. You're like, God, I just want to learn how to be patient before you. He's like, okay, let me show you this. <laughs> or you've been like, man, I just really want to work on my marriage. Or man, I just really want to work. I want to be humble. I want to be humble. And then someone comes to you and addresses a pride issue in your life. And you're like, who do you think that you are? God will often speak through people to get to us. By the way, this is often why we come to church, Right? You're hearing God through me, hopefully. You're also hearing God through his word. You're also hearing God through each other as you pray for one another and encourage one another. How many of you have had someone come into your life, speak something to your life, and you were like, that was the Lord? Anybody? You just knew like that was God. And you've all had someone walk into your life and give you an encouragement just at the right moment, and you're like, that was the Lord sending encouragement to me. I've had countless times, even over the last month, where people have texted me, and I'm like, that is a word from the Lord for me in this moment. Like, God's encouraging me. God's loving me. God has corrected me. I, I, I can tell you countless times, the voice of the Holy Spirit and the voice of Lindsay sound very similar. <laughs> very similar. Lindsay and I have been sitting at dinner one time, and I'm about to say something, and she grabs my leg under the table. Y'all know what that means. It's not like she wants me. That's not what she means. That's not what it means. It means like you better put a sock in that thing right there. That's what that means. My wife has saved me from a lot of bad stuff coming out of my mouth. And so, listen, I'm, I'm grateful for my wife. And I, if I can encourage any husband in here, you might want to listen. She doesn't always get it right, but neither do I. But often she does. You, you, you ought to listen to your life group leader. They do love God and they do love you. Like, everybody wants a pastor, but nobody wants to be pastored. <laughs> everybody likes to have one for emergencies and funerals and weddings. But when we got to speak something that no pastor wants to share, then it's like, well, I don't really, he's not my pastor anymore. Or she's not my leader anymore or you just name it, God, but God will speak through people. Hey, by the way, when you don't spend enough time in here, God has to bring people into your life to remind you of what's in here. Are y'all with me? Got quiet in this church, all right? So listen, I thank God for Lindsay. I thank God for Pastor Bubba. I thank God for our pastors and our elders. I thank God that I don't lead alone. I thank God for the leaders that we have in this church. I thank God for you. I, I'm so grateful for the people that, that I have surrounded my life with to know that there is, that the best of men are men at best. And, 
and I can't do this alone, and I need other people. I need outside insight. I need people to see things that I don't see. There's a reason there's blind spots in my life as much as there's blind spot in you. So here's, here's my one big question for this point. Can people tell you the truth and you not blow up on them? Because if you only will surround yourself with people who won't tell you the truth, eventually you're gonna live a life that you don't like living. And by the way, no one will like living it with you. So we wanna stay humble, we wanna stay teachable. A disciple is a student learner. We're always learning. We're all disciples, we're all learning, we're all growing, and God will use people often to help us in that. So God uses his word, God uses people to speak. All right, here we go, number three, and then God speaks through his spirit. He speaks through his spirit. He speaks through his spirit. Romans eight sixteen says, the Holy Spirit What does he do? Come on, what does he do? The Holy Spirit speaks to us deep in our hearts, and watch this, and it tells us that we are God's children. Hey, when the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, how many know the Holy Spirit is the, the greatest chief encourager in your life? The Holy Spirit is a reminder that you are a child of God, son of God, man of God. You are, you are with me. You are loved. You are forgiven. You are healed. You are, you, I am your comforter. I am with you. I, I'm proud of you. I'm, I'm grateful that, you know, I get to speak into my sons and remind them of that, but more than anything, when they go to school and their daddy's not there, I pray the Holy Spirit is always whispering in their ear, you got this. I love you. You're not by yourself. You're, 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 you, you, you can do this. Are, are y'all with me? Like the constant encourager that's there. We also know the Holy Spirit convicts, the Holy Spirit challenges. It doesn't just encourage, just like as parents, I'm not just an encourager. I, I do challenge, I do correct, I do all those things as well. But the Holy Spirit, he's constantly speaking to us. Look, look at Acts 16, verse six through seven. We see this in, the, in the, the life of Paul. It says, they were forbidden, speaking of Paul and the guys traveling with them, they were forbidden by the what? the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia after they had come to Mycenae and they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. Okay, so let me give you a little uh, Christianese. Anybody that's in here doesn't know what Christianese is? Christians have their own language, okay? So there are certain things that we say that you're like, what in the word, like what's plead the blood? Don't worry about it, okay? It's a Christianese thing. All right, so here's a Christianese phrase. I got a check in my spirit. Have y'all ever heard that before? I got a check in my spirit. Okay, you know what that means? That means whatever I was about to do, something in me said, ah! That's what it is. I I was about to sign the deal, and I said, no. I was about to propose, and I was like, no. I was about to... I was just about to do something or I've been thinking of something and, and something inside of me said, no, 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 don't, don't do that. And this is what I like to think about, uh, about God the Father. God the Father is like the control tower on an airport. The control tower on an airport has the ability to see things that you can't see, see more things than you can't see, but tell you where to go to make sure that you don't collide with other people. Okay, it can see warnings, it can see dangers, it can see disasters, and it tells that pilot, take a right there, and you go, I wanna take a left. He says, take a right there, and he says, no, I wanna take a left, and he says, take a right there. It's like Siri, when they try to tell you something, you're like, I don't care, I don't care about you, okay? But they see an accident that's up ahead that you didn't know, and then you're stuck in three hours traffic, I'm just acting like that may have happened at some point to somebody (laughs) over here, okay? All right, so they see things that you can't see. Watch this. So the Holy Spirit to, to the Apostle Paul was saying, don't go there, don't go there, don't go there. The Holy Spirit will do the same things to us. We'll get these checks that say, don't do that, don't say that, don't post that, don't go there, stay away from that, stay away from her, stay away. Y'all, y'all have gotten those before? Okay, that, that is the Holy Spirit that, that is constantly reminding you. It also will, will say other things to you like, go there, go do that, take that step, share that, pray for them, tell them that. And so those are things that are, the Holy Spirit is, is, is telling us. Watch, watch what uh, Acts chapter two says. It says that in the last days, which I believe we're living in them, God says that I will pour out my what? My spirit on who? 
everybody, young, old, black, white, doesn't matter who you are, all people, God's gonna pour his spirit out on them. He's gonna pour it out on your sons and your daughters and they're going to prophesy. Come on, I want that to happen. All my sons and my daughters to begin to prophesy. All right, that, that means that we're speaking what God is saying to us. Your young men are gonna see visions. Your old men are gonna dream dreams. I believe God wants to put solutions in our hearts for the problems in this world. I believe God wants to give us dreams and, and, and things that are in his heart and he wants to get them from his heart to our heart. How many you know he can only implant that into the hearts of people who listen to him? They say, God, give me, give me, give me what do you want me to do? What do you want us to do? God, how do you want us to live? Where do you want us to go? How do you want me to handle this money? How do you want me to handle this job? How do you want me to handle this situation? God, God, give me your wisdom. Our Savior's Church Jennings is here only because Pastor Bubba and Ms. Tracy heard from the Lord to come to Jennings. Do you understand how that works? And then we don't, we have a, a campus now in Eunice and a campus now in Crowley, literally because we heard the word of the Lord that said, go. Hey, by the way, God is speaking for us to continue to go to other places and they are coming soon. I believe God is continually has a heart for this region and for this area and for what he wants to do here. It's been put in the, our hearts. I remember when God began to strike my heart deeply about breaking the pride, the religious, and the racial barriers in this city. And I said, our church is going to look more like heaven than any other color. It's gonna look like heaven. God's called us all people to join together to worship the King of Kings. I mean, no, you gotta hear the Lord and then you gotta act. You gotta act. Whatever he says, you've gotta, you've gotta act on that. And so as the spirit of God is putting this thing, and here's how you know it's the spirit of God, because he keeps doing it. You can't let it go. You go to bed at night, you think about it. You wake up, you think about it. Everywhere you go, you think about it. This is how you know it's the spirit of God that's doing something inside of my heart, like I've gotta start this thing, or I've gotta go here, or I've gotta have this conversation, like he won't let you go. Any of y'all know those times where you need to say you're sorry, and you're just like, I'm not saying it, I'm not saying it, but the Holy Spirit won't let you go, and then you come to church and they sit right next to you? Like, he's like, are you gonna do it now? <laughs> y'all know what I'm talking about? Okay. Watch this, watch this, watch this. Some of you have been having a hard time hearing God because the last thing God told you, you didn't do. And not until you'll do the last thing he told you to do will he talk, start talking to you again about the next thing he wants you to do. You've moved on. God, I just want to do this. He's like, no, 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 no. We, we need to go wrap this up over here. You need to go do this. You need to go finish this. Go finish what you started. So maybe, just maybe, the reasons why the heavens feel like they're blocked off is because the last thing God told you to do, you just said, I don't want to do it. And so God's going, okay, well, I'll start speaking to you when you want to listen to me. Y'all ever had that with your kids where you told your kids to go do something and they want to change the conversation? And you're like, go clean your room. And they're like, can we go get ice cream? Go clean your room. What are we having for dinner? Go clean your room. Well, can I go do it? Go clean your room. After you clean your room, then we'll talk about the other stuff. Are y'all with me? Okay, all right. So God speaks through his word. God speaks through people. God speaks through his spirit. Here we go, last one. Ready? Okay, now let me just say this before I give you number four. God's number one way he wants to speak to you is through this. Number one, okay? And by the way, if God ever speaks anything to you and it's an opposite of this, it wasn't God. It was not God. God will never contra uh, contradict his word, okay? If we don't spend time in God's word listening to what he has to say to us through his word, then God will send people into our lives, okay? If we don't allow the people in our life to speak to us, then God will, of course, by his Holy Spirit, try to get our attention now, if we reject all three of those, the fourth way that God speaks to us is through circumstances. Through circumstances. Now, you can be doing all, all three of these and God still speaks to you through circumstances. I'm not saying it's the only time he does. Like if you're going through circumstances, you've been disobedient. But there are times often when we will not be listening to this that God allows these things to come into our lives Everything, not everything that you see in the natural is all that's going on. There are other things that are going on. Question, do you by chance think that over the last 18 months, 
with the COVID stuff, the political stuff, the racial stuff, the financial stuff, the job loss, all of that, by chance, could God be speaking to us? I agree. I, I, I think he's speaking more than we even realize. And, and I love a C.S. Lewis quote when I think about where we're at right now. Watch what C.S. Lewis said. He said, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our conscience, but he shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. I think this has been such an awakening time uh, for Christians, for the church. Um, I think we, we believe that God always speaks to us only to fix our problems. I don't believe that to be true. I think God speaks to us because sometimes he doesn't want to fix the problem. He wants to fix our perspective. And when he fixes your perspective, the way you view the problem is different because it goes from just being a problem to now being an opportunity. See, we tell God often, or we come to God often, and we go, God, why am I going through this? Why am I going through this? Any of y'all had that question with God over the last couple of months or even over the last year? Why am I going, why does it seem like this is just so heavy, so much, something from every area? I got issues here and issues here and issues here and I got all this that's going on and my, my marriage is failing me and, and I got this issue that's going on here and everything at work seems to be falling apart and now, now I got this health thing and like what is going on? Why, why, why? Maybe, just maybe the question we don't need to ask is why is it going on? But God, what are you trying to teach me? God, what are you trying to show me? God, what are you trying to do in me? What are you trying to help me see? Now, does God call sickness? Absolutely not. By no means. But can God use it? Absolutely. Hey, same reason. Does God cause imprisonment? No, I don't believe he does. But did he use it? I mean, you got, you got half, almost over half of the New Testament because a guy was in prison. I think God spoke to him pretty big in prison, don't you think? I mean, some of my favorite books in this entire Bible were written by a man who was in prison. And thank God that man didn't just sit in prison and go, why me, why this, why that? He said, God, what are you trying to say? And then as God spoke to him, he just started writing it down. And because of what God spoke to him, you and I today are encouraged by the words that come out of that. Some of your greatest messages will come out of your deepest pains. I'm gonna say that again. Some of your greatest messages to this world will come out of your most deepest pains that you are walking through. God is speaking. So what's our, what's our response to be? Revelations is a book at the very end of the Bible. A number of the chapters in that book are God's warnings and correction and challenge to the churches in Revelations. He speaks to each church and he gives them a different thing that he wants to say to them. And in Revelations chapter two, I want us to read this, Revelation chapter two, verse seven. After he speaks to them of what he wants to, them to do, he says this, he who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. The question is not if, if God wants to speak to you. The question is, do you want to hear what he's speaking? Hey, watch, watch. Our job is literally just this. God, what are you saying? God, what are you saying? What are you, what are you speaking to me? What, what are you saying to me? And if our life is so loud, and our life is so busy, you can't, you can't hear. My boys will often, there's, there's a kind of like a game room that we have in our house and, and they'll, they'll jet out to go to the game room, you know, after they rage, ravage my kitchen, then they go to the game room. It's kind of like their thing that they do. 
And so when Lindsay and I are sitting on the couch and Lindsay needs to speak to them and they're, they're flying by, they're, you know, they got headphones, earphones in and they're flying by and Lindsay's like, hey, Judah, hey, I, I want to, and then he just, just passes by and I have to say, hey, hey, come back, come back, come back, come back, come back, come back. Dad, what do, you, what do y'all want? Come back, stand right there, right there. Take your headphones out. Okay, babe, what do you want? Listen, and then she'll say it and then I'll go, what did she say? Because how many know they got to mirror it so you make sure they get what they said? Because you know they're going to say, I didn't hear you. So I just make sure. What did she say? She said, okay. All right. I just want to make sure we got that. You, you heard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I had to get them to come back. I had her to get them to come close. I had, I had to get them to pull out all the distractions. And I had to get them to listen. Listen. Hey, ready? Listen. This is my desire every Sunday. But we can't be a church that only hears God on Sunday mornings. I mean, no, this, this world is, 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 is too hard for you to only hear one little word over 30 minutes on a Sunday. Tomorrow morning, when you wake up in the morning, you need to go, God, what are you saying to me today? God, what are you saying to me today? God, what do you want me to do today? Remember, someone who spends time in God's word at least just four times a week. Notice it doesn't say how long you have to be in the word, how much you have to read. It's just, man, I just, I just want to be in the word. I just want to be faithful to just be in the word. All those things that drop in my life and all the things that rise up in my life. So here's how I want us to respond. This is my, if you want to, if you want to have a, a a theme for this week. Here's your theme. Ready? I'm open to hear and I'm eager to respond. This is our posture to God today. This is what I want our posture to God to be this week. This is what I want our posture to be all the time. But, but I want us to practice. Can we just practice this this week? Just go, God, I'm open to hear. And God, I'm eager to respond. I'm eager to respond. All right. Now let's practice this. Because watch this. When the shepherd calls the sheep by name, the sheep don't debate, they don't negotiate, they don't ignore, they just follow. Wherever you want, God, whatever you want. 